Sponsored by who, sir? It is sponsored by urine. Urine? As in urine trouble. Because you know who we have in the studio today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We have Miss Monica Brogan in the studio with us today. Yeah. Hey, there she is. She's right over there. And uh, and what are we talking about today, Mr. Galino? Well, we're talking about violence. Violence? Especially uh, when women like Monica impose it on people. Shaking fools out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. Hey, I should also mention too that we're for the first time in uh, six AM podcast history, we've been drinking. <laughs> you haven't been. We should mention that Galena's on the whole thirty, so he's gonna he's gonna keep it. Uh, he's gonna keep everything. Yeah, how stupid is that? Yeah, that's dumb. That's great. I'm gonna drink it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should. They're, they're sitting right next to you. I won't tell anybody. What is this? This is this is day twenty five of 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 whole thirty. Can you imagine if I just balled it up and threw it away right now? Well, you've got only five days. Like, I'm almost done with my term paper, but you know what? Nah. (laughs) Crumble it up and chuck it. Have a beer. Don't worry about it. No peer pressure or anything. So, we've got got Monica Brogan in the studio, and what we want to talk about today is, uh, of course, a little bit about Monica's history, if you will, madam, and uh, where you come from, but uh, in direct relation to... Um, you know, we're, we're interested in, in checking in on the, on the perspective from, uh, you know, from a woman's point of view, not only about, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but self-defense and, uh, sort of our, our culture of violence and how, how you fit into that puzzle. Um, and if you would, for our listeners, we'll say that, you know, Monica is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and a Judo black belt. And she is also the, uh, the, uh, can we call you the owner? Yes. Uh, yes. The owner and, uh, and uh, primary source of education for the Dangerous Damsels program, uh, which is actually part of, you know, started as part of our academy at Harrisburg Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo, but it is now spread. Yep. We are at three locations. We have one in York, Harrisburg, and now in Scranton as well. That's awesome. So, with crazy awesome. NPA. Awesome. Awesome. And she's also busy with kids. Yes. Jiu-Jitsu too. She heads up program our kids program yep. at York and Harrisburg. Yep, yep. So. And she hasn't killed a single child yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not they, yet. They've all. Close. <laughs> they've all. <lived. laughs> that's, that's good. But go ahead and let one of them walk on the mat with their shoes on. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, or from the bathroom it's, uh, with your yeah. shoes off. Yeah. No yeah. peepee feet. <laughs> no peepee feet. Listen, listen, kids. If you're listening to this podcast and you are into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the 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 ticket out of the gym is going to the bathroom without your shoes on. Okay. <laughs> that is a one-way trip to the yeah. to the parking lot to your car we'll see you later yeah. <laughs> hey speaking of which, customer i've been to competitions guys in which like people have been called by refs coming out of the bathroom without shoes on and they were just dq'd right there yeah. on the spot i've seen it happen. I, I, I mean good on them I, mean, yeah. I think that's i think that's smart yeah i don't know why you'd walk into the bathroom without your shoes on but it's disgusting so anyway Getting back on topic. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I do it at the pool all the time. 
<laughs> yeah, but to be fair, are you peeing in the pool? Of course you are. Of course. Yeah, don't lie. Well, there's a pee in pool, right? Yeah. Then I'm going to keep it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Notice that there's a pee in this pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you're peeing in it. So you might as well go to the bathroom have shoes on. It's not a big deal. So, Monica, so talk to us a little bit. Uh, I think we'll, we'll probably want to start this off. Uh, you know, talking a little bit about like where you come from um, in terms of like how you got started in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, or, or your history in martial arts. Let's start there. So, okay. so, so when I first started Jiu-Jitsu or any, any sport at all, I was in my twenties. I had never done anything before. I ran track for like a week, got shin splints. It was like, this sucks. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> so that didn't last. That was my track career. <laughs> Uh, but I was always kind of uh, worried about body issues and self-esteem problems. And one day I was at the Y and I walked by and saw they had judo at the Y for free. And I'm looking in the window and I'm like, Dave, we should do this. And Dave looks in at all the guys and, you know, you have Scott Miller who's like 200 and what. Yeah. You know, he was the smallest guy there. Yeah. yeah. So Dave, and at the time Dave was 155 pounds. Okay. <laughs> so he hey, we should we should interrupt you just real quick to say that uh, that Monica's husband is David Brogan, uh-huh. and he is a he is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt and a Judo black belt as well. Yeah. So and they are married. Yeah. Okay. So you so you told so, Dave. We so do judo. I was like, we should do Judo. This is gonna be awesome. And he looks at me and he looks in and he goes, they're gonna be nice to you. George is a little girl. They're gonna beat me up. I don't want to go in there. So after finally convincing him to try it, we went in. Um, some of the guys from Harrisburg came over. Jeremy Christ um, was one of them. Beat up everyone, yeah. right? Because they had, like, no gi wrestling on Thursdays. And Dave said, this is magic. I want to learn this. <laughs> he went to go learn this and was doing both. Tried to convince me. And, again, I was like, they're sweaty men. Rolling hard. I don't want any of that. They're going to go hard, rough. It's going to be disgusting. And then after about a month, I was finally convinced to try it, dragged there, and then I fell in love with it. And I was like, Judo, is, this is so much better. This is so much less pain for my body. Um, so I did both for, since then. Yeah, so, since then. And how long, how many years has that been now at this point? Uh, 11. 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. And, and, uh, and so as we had mentioned before, you know, Monica, you're a black belt in both, in both arts. Yeah. Um, the, let's, let's talk about how long did it take for you to get your uh, black belt in judo? Mm-hmm. So judo took me about six years. Six years. I'm um, okay. training about three times a week. Okay. Uh, jiu-jitsu took me about 10 years, training about five to seven days a week. <laughs> So, I live there, Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's my life. Yeah. yeah, it really is. For those of you guys that don't know Monica, I mean, she's, I mean, there's not a time, with the exception of the 6 a.m. class in which we, we teach, that Monica's not at the gym. So, yeah. anytime, like, anytime after there. work, it, it, what's that? You can tell when I'm there, because yeah. I'm like, ha! <laughs> yeah, Monica's there. Yeah, you always know. Monica's always there. Uh, I both, bring the party. Both she and David live at the gym, so. Yeah. So it's a, it's true. Uh, I think it's fair to say that um, that the reason judo takes much faster time to get a black belt is that if it didn't, that nobody would be a black belt. Yeah, because I don't think anybody would stay there much longer. But <laughs> even still, true. I mean, still, like six years is a long time. I mean, it is a long time. I think yes. most marriages yes. don't last that long. So I mean, <laughs> these are these are legit these are legit arts, you know. Um, right. Yeah. But. Uh, 
Okay, so so you got your so what what about like what about jujitsu? Um, I mean, you did judo and then you did jujitsu. What about jujitsu made you fall in love with it? I mean, what was it about it? I think a part of it is judo is so you have to have perfect timing and you had to get those perfect throws and you can practice all day and never get that perfect timing and it that one time you get a throw out of a hundred yeah it's hard be to be worth doing it all the time right whereas jujitsu you're rolling and you can get chokes and arm bars or even control people and that's enough i can feel powerful doing that yeah. sure. um judo i feel magical when i finally do get that throw because it's amazing it's just so far in between that i don't so yeah. i get frustrated um, so definitely jujitsu is frustrating in itself with other, for other reasons. Right. Sure. But definitely I think I just fell in love with everything about it. I fell in love with my teammates, right? The sport is amazing and you get such great, uh, a family atmosphere yeah, at sure. any gym you go to sure. anywhere. Um, judo was very much more regiment structured. You come in our coach at the time was a drill sergeant, so that's how he ran class. Right. So it wasn't as a friendly of an environment. Um, I didn't like getting yelled at all the time. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's why I was like, jiu is awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greg doesn't yell at me. Because <laughs> right, right, right. yeah, so, my, my coach doesn't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like being a grown-up and getting yelled at by, yeah. by other grown-ups. Yeah, especially when you're like sweating and working hard and they're going... That's not enough. You're not paying attention. You suck. You're terrible. Wait, that sounds like David Brogan. That sounds like David Brogan. <laughs> so I mean, so judo, judo can be can come off as more formal, and and and, and I don't think we should get anybody wrong on this one. I mean, yeah. jujitsu can be very formal right. too, in, in particular contexts. I mean, right. its history is is rooted in a, in a Japanese art. Um, I mean, there was Japanese jujitsu, which spawned judo, which then ended up being modified to Brazilian jujitsu. Right. I mean, so we have we have very formal roots, and I think everybody um, you know that's been along, you know, has been in this long enough knows that you know there are places that we go that we can we can behave ourselves if we have to. But in our academy, we're a bit more liberal <laughs> in, in the way that we approach things. We're there to have a good time. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think and learn this art. So I mean, so you've. You know, you've sort of progressed through the ranks, and I think one of the things that, uh, it, it, first and foremost, uh, I think one of the things that we want to talk about is, you know, as I understand it, you're only one of seven women in Pennsylvania that hold a black belt in Brazilian yes. Jiu-Jitsu. So it's not like, it, it's not like, and to begin with, Jiu-Jitsu in and of itself, having a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu is kind of a big deal. Um, because if we look at it globally, not a lot of people hold a black belt. And it's like 1% of the people that step on the mat. Okay. It's a black belt, right? Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so for you to be, uh, so for you to be a woman and hold a black belt is even a, a larger rare. accomplishment. Rare. Yeah. Very, I like very the rare. unicorns. <laughs> very much, very much unicorn nation. <laughs> so, um, so, so talk to us a little bit about like, you know, the, uh, I mean, there's, there's the accomplishment of getting your black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That is a. Uh, an indication of your time and dedication as a human being, just as a person. Um, but talk to us a little bit about, like, you know, what it meant for you as as a woman. Okay. You know? So I was the first female black belt to get my belt, black belt from our academy, um, from Greg Anderson. 
it was an amazing accomplishment. It felt surreal at the moment. Sure. You know, because I never thought I was going to get to that point in the beginning, right? There are days when I was like, I just can't do this anymore. It's so frustrating. And, but you just got to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And kind of getting that acknowledgement that I'm finally to a level. Yeah. And I am finally to that place where you get a little more, I guess, respect in the art that you do. Sure. Right? As you progress through the ranks and I think as a female it's definitely it changes the dynamic a little bit because you don't there's a lot of gyms that don't accept female into the into the family yeah Um, they don't they're not very friendly female friendly Mm -hmm. and maybe go a little harder on other females and it definitely was that way in the beginning of the journey Um, but now we have 30 to 40 women at our academy so it's definitely changed just seeing that growth. And I think a lot of it is because you have to have a female team to grow. You have to have a woman's team to grow a woman's team. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you're one or two, it's hard to get other women to stay because you can't be there all the time and you right. can't, you know, have the encouragement. And I think at our, anymore, it's getting, there's more white belt women, more blue belt women that are around. If you go to tournaments, there'll be a ton of, of female white belts, blue belts to compete. Sure. Once you start getting to purple, brown, and black, it's very rare. Right. So I right, think right. it's definitely... Which is not unusual for the sport in and of itself. Right. I mean, we, you know, from a, you know, uh, you know, just from an overall standpoint, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, because it takes so long to get to your black belt, and a lot of people drop off. Right. Um, it usually, what do you think, Alino? Around blue belt, purple belt? Where yeah. do they? Yeah, I mean, they fall off. And um, because it's, it means a lot of work. It's a lot of yeah. time and dedication. Blue belt blues is. is a real thing. Yeah, the blue belt right? blues. Yeah, yeah. We have, <laughs> we have another student who uh, who does videos on a regular basis, and he just did one about the, the blue belt blues. Yes. And, it's, uh, a, it, it's a true true story. Yeah. True story. People, they get frustrated. Because those, when people, your white belt people help you, and people want you to get better. Yeah, when yeah. you get your blue belt, you kind of get lost in the shuffle and every your target now yeah, yeah, for right, all the for white belts. Everybody. Right? Because they're exactly. like, oh, yeah. like, I want to tap a blue belt. I want to tap a blue belt, right? And yeah. then the higher belts are like, I'm not going to be nice to you anymore. Right, it's now on. it's on, right? So <laughs> yeah. once you get to that blue belt level, you think you know jujitsu or at least can hold your own and then that it goes up a level sure and yeah, people yeah. go a little well, we harder were, and yeah we were talking about that this morning it's the acceleration of learning too mm-hmm. so when you come in as a white belt the accelerated amount of learning that you do in that point in time is just immense you sure. learn something mm-hmm. like 10 things new every yeah. t- single time you go and it's exciting and you're going you're skyrocketing 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 and then it plateaus yeah you get the blue belt <laughs> and, and, and I, I always say this i i feel like and I don't think this is like a hard and fast rule, but for the most part, you've seen most of what you're going to see in jujitsu by the time you get to a blue belt. You know, it's not like there's a, a an immense amount of moves. There's only so much right. you can do with your body. Just different variations. By of the, the same time way. you get to blue belt, you're you're basically honing your game by millimeters rather than like learning an entirely new move every time you go. And um, you know, so by the time you get that blue belt level, it just becomes like it's more of a, a grind, right? So you're going. All right, today 
I, I know I've seen this four times at this point, and I've got to learn all these fine details again. And they're like, well, let's just skip the repetition. And really, no, like that's the time where you got to go through the repetition, right. do it over and over. And people are like, ah, maybe I'm just not for me. I'm, right. I'm not going to go tonight, or you know, it's, it's getting a little boring or whatever. It's hard to get through those go those downs. It, it, it really right? is. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. You're high, and then all of a sudden you feel like you suck worse than yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, and, and also, can we can we then say can we say that uh, like blue belt is the most boring belt? I mean, yeah. I mean, you spend the longest time at blue belt, right? Think, don't you? I mean, yes. Yeah, really statistically, is. you do. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, it's it is a grind. I mean, a lot of it's a grind. But this is kind of like the point of our podcast, right? The point of our podcast is called Six AM, and you know, if you look at our slogan, a lot of what we're saying is get up, get out there, and do it. Like, just go. Getting up early in the morning is the same thing, you know. It, it getting, you know, I know personally, I wake up at four a.m. and not every day do I want to do it. It gets to be a grind. But like when the bell goes off, you just get up and go. And blue belt, you know, purple belt is the point. same thing. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want to go, and that's when you have to tell yourself like, "This is just what I'm supposed to do, and go do it." Yeah. And just commit to doing that, just being there and showing up, and then it'll happen. So was there a lot of that for you, like as you're as you're progressing? Because you you have, I mean, I don't. Did you ever put yourself in the the position of of, recog, of recognition where you're like, hey, listen, I you know I I'm going through all the same things that every jujitsu practitioner goes through, right? Mm-hmm. Like blue belt blues, and you know you, you know your purple belt, and then the responsibilities that go along with that, and then your brown and black and so forth. But did you ever also put yourself in the position of understanding at the time that you're also a female that this was significant in some way. Right. I always feel like on the movie Expendables with the guy and he's the Jet Li's character and he's like, I get, when I get a bullet hole, it's twice as big. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm smaller. Yeah. I felt like that all the time. Okay. Right? Because what a good point. everyone's a hundred pounds heavier than me. Yeah, it's really, really right. So then <laughs> I'm like two hundred pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> so you're always struggling with size, strength and weight. Yeah. There's no Whereas if you're dealing with one, it's a lot easier to handle, but all three, it's too much a lot sure. of the times. And I get, you get frustrated easily, sure. I think, because especially as a purple or brown belt and the new brand new white belt wrestler comes in. Sure. Yeah. Right. Has and grappling experience. Right. Yeah. But they're white belt. Yeah. And you think in your mind, oh, I should be able to be, I should be able to do more. I should be able to do more. I should be able to smith this person. But they over—they're going to overpower you. They're bigger, stronger. They have grappling experience. They have all of this. Even if they don't, they're—they're they're super fast and athletic. It's hard to overcome that sure. when they're bigger, stronger, faster. Sure. You know, all sure. combined together. Sure. So I think there was lots of frustration. Yeah. Um, I've even had people come in and they'll roll with me, and I was a brown belt at the time, and they were a blue belt. And afterwards, they were like, "Why well, she didn't tap me, and I'm a blue belt. I should be higher." Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, attitude, yeah, yeah. and that I I would get so frustrated in that situation. Sure. Right, because then I'd have to sit there and listen to this person. Yeah. Mock me. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't tap them. Right. You know, or you know, for whatever reason, obviously they're bigger than me. Obviously they're stronger than me. Sure. You know, eventually you have to realize doesn't matter. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So. But it's a terrific segue into 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 the uh, into the realm of self defense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so at our core, you know, our martial art is is predicated upon defending oneself against an, a violent attack, yes. right? 
And so I think, you know, and you can speak to this, of course, um, you know, understanding those types of scenarios where you're, you're, you're matched up against people who are bigger, stronger, faster, because that is the ethos of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We're always going to run into people who are bigger, faster, stronger, but we can still defend ourselves in those scenarios, right? So talk about like what you learned in those situations. You might not have tapped them, but you, I imagine you. Right. I can control them and slow down the movements. Right. Right. I can get on top. I might not be able to get space to get the arm bars, the choke, but I can control the situation, slow down the situation. Right. You know, they're fighting 100% to 110% and I'm just laying there. And you're not. Right. right. I'm using right. 10% of my energy to hold them down. Right. Um, and I think that's that's what jiu-jitsu does for you. Right. That's what it helps you realize that it works because if I can hold someone down that's 350 pounds yeah. that knows jiu-jitsu, the 350-pound person that doesn't has no clue... I am going to be able to dominate that person. Right. 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 On the street. Yeah. Right. And you know that like at any point you could have gotten up and, and right. gotten away from that situation. Exactly. And so this sort of like plants the seed for the Dangerous Damsels program and like where this, you know, where this sort of lived. Talk to us a little bit about like where that, where that seed was planted and where you came up with this idea and, and how that got going. Okay. So I started it in, I think 2015. There was so many other self-defense systems out there that I didn't feel I was as effective. Yeah, we'll, we'll, right? we'll, uh, yeah, we'll criticize right? those in a bit. Right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I knew there, and I know jiu-jitsu works, and I know, and I want to spread as much of my passion. I want everyone else to be passionate about jiu-jitsu, sure. and I want yeah. everyone else to love it, and I want them to get the bug, right? Yeah. So I brought the program in because we were starting to grow a, a larger female base, and I wanted to continue to grow. And you again, you have to have females yeah. to grow a female base. Sure. You have to, one or two is not going to grow it. You need a big group. Sure. So I wanted to get as many people hooked on it. So I started the self-defense program. Um, and also the statistics for women getting assaulted. It's one every nine seconds there's a female assaulted. And those numbers are astronomical. Yeah. It right? Really it's unbelievable. So knowing this, I wanted to be able to help the situation. Yeah. You know, we need to do something to better. Yeah. And I think another helpful statistic, too, that you had given us was um, around the persons the that 70, are typically yeah. assaulting these women. Yeah, are usually someone they know. It's right. 78% are people they know. Right, right. Um, either a coworker, family friend, yeah. a family member, something like that. And that's, that's a pretty large number. Yeah. And then you get into, am I going to use these death techniques that they show at these other martial arts yeah. movies, right? Am yeah. I going to do the death punch or eye gouges or whatever to these people that maybe we were at a Christmas party at work. Yeah, like Johnny's stupid face cute right. next door. Exactly. Comes up to me yeah. and yeah. starts trying to talk to me. Yep. Yep. I'm not going to eye gouge him and break his face, right? That's not my intention. Yeah. I just need to defuse the situation, get it yeah. under control and set my boundaries. Right. And I think that's important aspect of before anything gets any gets into a I have to defend myself for life and death, I need to set boundaries. I need right. to let them know that what they're doing is not okay. Right. And there's a line, don't cross it. Right. Well, this is, so this is an excellent point and it's one thing that it's a component of all of this that we don't I don't think is talked about enough and and uh 
and that is setting boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And the confidence that comes with knowing how to defend oneself right. uh, usually usually equates to not not getting yourself in not those situations. Yeah. Not being a dick. Yeah, yeah, not being a dick, right? right? Like you, um, and, and for, for women, I think that there's a, you know, oftentimes there's this situation because, and it's cultural, where we, we make those, and we can, we can relate this specifically to self-defense models, where in the past, the, the typical model of self-defense for women said that everything was on you. Right, it was your fault. Right. The, the right. way that you were dressed, where you were going, what you were drinking, what you were drinking how much yeah. you were drinking, right. who you were with, and and all these things, um, basically dictated whether or not you were going to have a safe evening. Not out, yes. None of those, right? None of those things are empowering. All those things say that, like, um, you know, if I if it was a, it was on me, I would say I just wouldn't even bother going out. I'd rather I'd rather become agoraphobic and stay home, right? Yeah. So. So this sort of like changes that that model, like a, a total 180, right? right? Um, and says, no, no, you are in fact more than capable of defending oneself or, or yourself um, against, a, you know, not just a violent attack, but somebody encroaching into your private personal right, space. Right, right. Into your personal so bubble. yeah, so talk about boundaries. Talk about like, talk about what that means um, before it gets to the fight. Like, right. how does the Dangerous Damsels program, like? put put women empower them into that into that right. environment i think a lot of it is when you know how to fight and when you know these techniques and it's not even how to fight how to get away from certain situations sure. you carry yourself with more confidence you yeah. carry because you don't have to worry as much right? right but you still have to be aware of what's going on around you right like any situation sure but you're not going to be picked as the victim if you're confident if you're not walking with your head down or walking not stare you know right I think just the boundaries, if you, as soon as, the, you know when situations are going to get inappropriate, right? Right. You know when someone's yeah. trying to push those boundaries sure. and when they start talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. And they start saying maybe offhand comments, yeah. right? That's your chance. That's your time to say, you know what? That's, I'm not okay with that. This is my line and I'm drawing it and right. I don't want you to talk to me like that. Right. You know, that's your, that's your opportunity. Yeah. And then as it goes further, you know you can defend yourself and you know you can protect yourself. Sure. So you kind of sure. have that that chance in the beginning to defuse the situation. Sure. Right. And it comes from a confidence that you have exactly. that if it did come to a point where I had to defend myself physically, that you're, I'm not going to be the one, as a female, I'm not going to be the one that's going to regret this. You are. Right. And so, yeah, so that confidence comes from that, from knowing that you can handle yourself in those situations. So you're capable of then confronting, you know, and and diffusing that situation, right. saying this is not acceptable. Um, I think that's I think that's really important. How long how long of a program is the Dangerous Damsels? We have a twelve week program, right? Because I don't think I can teach you everything I need to teach you in an hour or two hour seminar, even a six hour seminar. Right. Yeah. And you're never gonna practice it again. You're never gonna try it again. Yeah. And then it's not gonna be there when you're panicked. I think repetition is the most important thing. So we do a 12-week program. Every we show one technique, we do that technique. Then the last class, the next class, we do that same technique, and then we show a new technique. So we do a review, so that you're getting muscle memory. Because yeah. I think that's the best way to learn jiu-jitsu yeah. or any martial art sure. is sure. repetition. Yeah, because sure. I think what people hear, and you know that when they think of self-defense, and particularly in women's programs, are like kick them in the nuts. Got gouges eye out, 
Or if he grabs your wrist like this, you move your hand that way and break your grip. <laughs> right. Or like if they do that, like it. Talk about what what yours, you, what your program does, as opposed to being like, boy, I sure hope he grabs my wrist the right way because that's the only way I remember how to do this. <laughs> yes. So, in reality, if because everyone's answer, every female's answer to what they do, if they were in a situation that they're going to get assaulted, is I would need them in the groin. Right? I would right. kick it where them where they hurt, right? <laughs> if that was effective, I wouldn't need to teach you self-defense. Right. I would there wouldn't be yeah. someone insult, assaulted every nine seconds. It's one in four women are assaulted. Right. If their answer was to knee them in the groin, obviously there's problem with that answer. Sure. Right? Yeah. There's adrenaline going, there's you know, Maybe you just made them mad and now you've opened the door for them to start punching you, right? Yeah, and right. we want to avoid that as right. much as possible. Sure. So jiu-jitsu, it's self, the self-defense portion of jiu-jitsu, it's all self-defense, right? Jiu-jitsu is self-defense. Right, right. It's all using leverage, using their body weight against them right. in certain common scenarios. And the program uses scenarios that are there's been have been tested over years. Um, after talking to police departments about these situations that happen for assault and how to fight those particular situations. Right. And so if someone's sitting on top of you, how to get them off of you. If someone's between your legs, how to get away from them, triangle choke them, armbar them, mm -hmm. right? Put them to sleep sure, so you can run off yeah, or get and get away. Um, so the program, it's 12 weeks. If you do the program twice, you get a pink felt. Bonus. That's beautiful. Bonus. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, but I'm, see, the, the big part of this is is that the way that you teach is, is through role, what we call rolling. Right. You know, and, and Jeff and I Lots can speak to this that, that, like, you know, we roll all the yeah. time, mm -hmm. right? Like, we're always out there wrestling around. And, and what it does, it, it, it doesn't teach us one move to do if they do something right. to us. We start to have like a muscle pattern that if their arms across, like right. we automatically just continue <laughs> to push their arm, and, and you can stand up and walk away while those people are still into the mat. Right. And it's just these weird little things that you learn that it's not like they're going to remember something to do if this if person this does something. Yes. They're you, you you want them to just be able to react in a positive way and Correct. move away. Correct. Right. Very very different concept. Yeah, cool. which is what separates it from I think all every other self defense right. you know program that's uh, that says that is that is strictly scenario based in a and or if situation right? right so it has to be it has to be the perfect setting the temperature has to be exactly right hold, you, you hold my wrist wait yeah. hold my wrist this way no, hold right. my wrist that way right, right. what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> you're holding it wrong and, and and we should note like for those that don't know who might be listening to this podcast you know. The uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a ground-based martial art. So, yes. and the majority of assaults. If I fall down and I'm clumsy and I need to know what to do once I fall down. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the case for most practitioners of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We, you know, we're we're clumsy. Um, you know, but but I mean, the truth of the matter is, is like when it comes to assault, when it comes to a physical confrontation, uh, and I don't know what the percentage it is. We usually make it up. You know, but it would be it would be somewhere in the realm of eighty to ninety percent of those confrontations go to the ground. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a high percentage. It's, it's, very it's high. a very high percentage. It's like ninety percent or something. Yeah, whether you're getting pushed down, whether you're getting punched and knocked down, whether you know you just fall to the ground, um, you're you're usually on the ground. So 
Um, so a lot of those, a lot of everything that and I shouldn't say everything, but just about everything that we do from a uh, from a grappling standpoint comes from that that position. Um, I would imagine then in you know in terms of starting this program, which has been wildly successful, uh, that you've you've run into uh, women who have actually been assaulted before. And, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So as we like, as we try to reach out to them, um, you know, especially through the, through vehicles like this podcast and your program, um, you know, it's to begin with starting into a martial art is nerve wracking to begin with Yes. coming in with, uh, preconceived notions of what's going to happen or what could happen usually keeps enough people away from even walking through the doors. Um, but we do like boast a really healthy community of people. It, it is much like family in that. Um, but in terms of dangerous damsels, um, how do you like? How do you approach it? How do you reach out to women who like maybe like not only do they have the anxiety of learning a combat art, but also may have been victims of assault mm-hmm. as well. So we actually do. I have. Um, we're doing a program, a seminar to get people to at least have a little bit of a knowledge uh, next month. I'm not sure the exact date, but these are the community outreaches sure. um, are a very good chance to kind of get out there and make me, women realize it's not as scary yeah. as they think it can be. Right. Right. It's mm-hmm. scary to walk into a jujitsu gym, yeah. especially when they walk through Tuesday night and yeah, yeah, a yeah, no-gi no class <laughs> and they're like, Oh, am I in the right place? Right. So, yeah. but I think, that's generally, I've been in situations where we've had women come in and they start the class and they can't even do the first move. Something because, triggers a member. Right. Your, uh, they experience. get triggered and they start tearing up yeah. and they can't get through that. Yeah. And that's when I go, I go over and talk to them and help them and I'll work with them yeah. until they get comfortable. Right. Um, or somebody that's been doing it for a couple of months and then sh- sh- they break down. Yeah. Right. They start getting upset and teary eyed because they're frustrated sure. because it's not easy. You know, jujitsu is not easy. If it was yeah. easy, everyone would do it. Right. But then again, right? avoiding, avoiding assault is not easy right. either, right. which is, you know, there's, there's a dose of reality there. Right. And you have to convince, you know, work with them and convince them that mm-hmm. it's their life is important. Yeah. Right. Sure. They have value. You right. have to, yeah. you can't wait until you're in that situation to decide that you need this. Mm-hmm. You have to make that choice beforehand so you know what to do. Right. We've talked a little bit about this before, um, but, uh, and maybe you could, you know, clue everybody in on this, is like, <clears throat> you weren't, were you, or I should say you weren't, but were, were you prepared for that perspective like when you started this program? I mean, to, to say like, there's the, because, and I should note too for our listeners that you were and have been an instructor for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a, for a long time before you started right. the, the program. Um, and so like teaching that or bringing that knowledge to people, whether they're male or female, was not a foreign concept to you. But were you prepared for like the emotional? No, I yeah. was not at all in the beginning. Because it's something that I do all the time. And I don't think about it. I don't sure. think about the triggers and the and the problems in the space when you do jujitsu and you have no space, mm-hmm. right? That's the biggest problem, when, oh, yeah, especially yeah. for women when they come into the gym and sure. you want me to go with, you know, Joe Schmo, yeah. and you want him between my legs and you want him, you know, like these positions sure. aren't normal right. to them. Right. So I've been through that aspect 
but just these certain situations where they get overwhelmed yeah yeah easily you know and you have to stay, take a step back sure and reassess the situation and modify the situation to make it work for them mm-hmm. at that time right. and then build up to what you can do yeah. you know you'd have to teach them that they can be powerful right 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 women can be powerful right um so i think that's yeah kind of sort of a big deal i mean if you're because you're not just pushing them past like a physical limitation you're pushing them past an a emotional mental, right? and a mental uh, limitation so they they discover more about themselves and i can i can say for uh for a fact and i can speak for galino and myself that jujitsu for anybody whether you're male or female does that mm-hmm. um you learn a lot about yourself you know yeah. and i can only imagine um being a being somebody who's been a victim of assault and and that it becomes a barrier in your life right like uh, the concern that this is going to happen again or the what ifs or I should have been able to do this or whatever taking responsibility on oneself to you know to move through that that's a lot to deal with so I mean, yeah and cool. you know I want this podcast to be able to be used for your dangerous damsels you know if you're able to send this out so for anybody out there listening thinking about joining your program um, you know I, I would like to express that you know I've walked through when your program's going on and um and not to say that I didn't feel welcome, but it's felt like a space that was meant for the women there, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess what I mean by that is is that you create a safe, a safe environment, right. a safe space yeah. for them to um, kind of work through these things. So talk about that a little bit. You know, what's a class look like? So generally, we start, we bow in to show respect to each other. And we'll do, usually we'll start with grip breaking. Yeah. someone grabs you different ways that they can grab you right because they're not ever always going to grab you in the same situation yes um and then we do our warm-ups and our muscle memory drills and then we move on how to get out from underneath somebody and then you get with a partner you do your drilling with a particular partner and then at the end we play guard passing game because it's <laughs> awesome right which is the best game, I love that game. Yeah. Yeah. you get a nice sweat <laughs> The women are like, oh, I didn't expect to get a workout today, yeah. so it's it's nice, yeah. little bonus. Yeah. So yeah. that's generally how I, I run the classes. It's awesome. Yeah. And then we do a review at the end of everything we learned that day. So and then we drill it for about ten minutes again, and then the next class we drill everything again. Right, so. right, right. Because it's not a set and forget it type of scenario. Right. I mean, so for you know, and I and I agree with Galino on this that, that like. You know, if you're somebody that's listening to this from, uh, you know, California, for instance, right now, it is totally worth the plane ticket and coming Absolutely. Out. It really is. Yeah. Come out and, like, and learn, uh, you know, from somebody who, who understands not only where you're coming from, you know, uh, from an emotional standpoint, but also a physical standpoint. We hear this all the time, you know, as being instructors, like, you know, I'm, I'll wait till I'm in this kind of shape to start. Then. you know jujitsu yeah, start or, now yeah just start now start now yeah because it's a beautiful thing it is beautiful. and everybody gets to see how far you've come too doesn't matter which, how much you work out before you're not ready for jujitsu no, no, you're not, right. you <laughs> so you've got to do it now and you have to you have to be on the mat to understand it you have to uh and you, to get an appreciation for other people when they start um the, they'll see how far you come Mm-hmm. And, and then when you see other people start, you'll have an appreciation for how far they're going to come and you can encourage them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a big help right down the line. Right. And I, and I should mention that like from our, 
you know, uh, from a male perspective in, in relationship to Dangerous Damsels is that the Dangerous Damsels program is female only. Mm-hmm. It is it is built up, uh, you know, in this safe space. But you're also part of a larger organization that is co-ed. Right. Um, and you have the support of that, of that gym. So you're backed by both male and female, you know, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners right. and judo practitioners. Um, and many of which are competitors um, and athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, it's it's not just that. I mean, this is where we get into the more of the family component of it. I mean, you, you know, if any of you guys ever needed anything, I mean, for any of us, you right. can just send an email or a text or a call, and and yeah. we'll be we've seen it a thousand times. Right. You know, um, that's that's kind of the goal. You have those it. frustrating days, and you need to talk, right? Yeah. yeah. When you have those frustrating days on the mats or in life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Maybe yeah. you had a frustrating day and you just need to go train. Yeah. yeah. But here's another area, too, that um, we haven't touched on, is that I, I've seen in your classes that um, a lot of mother-daughter mm-hmm. experiences happen there. You know, so maybe yes. talk about that. So we have a lot of mother-daughter uh, women that start the Dangerous Damsels together. Yeah. Um, we've had, because usually the daughter comes in, if they're older, and they do one day and they're like, oh, my mom's got to come to this. My mom needs this, right? <laughs> right, right. So then the, they bring their mom or there'll be a teenage daughter and a mother. Sure. And the mother will say, I really, my kid's going away to college. She has to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So we get a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great kind of building a relationship sure. that maybe you don't always get um, because as, especially teenagers, because they don't, you know, they sure. have their lives. And they're about to go to college and they're about to, you know, they have other stuff going on sure. that it's hard to get that time. Yeah. So it's a great bonding experience yeah. to learn it together. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, you know, that, you know, branching out from that, though, you know, there's also this, because um, we were just, you know, just touched on it, the fact that, like, you know, uh, jujitsu in and of itself is a co-ed type of institution. Not in every gym, but right. in ours in particular, we have a, we have a very... Uh, you know, healthy group of women that train with the men as well. And that's right. where you come right. from because right. there weren't a lot of females. You, you, I think when you started, you had one yes. other female. Yes. She was there maybe once a month. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, so you were yeah. forced to train in this right. group of, uh, uh, of dudes. Um, but at some point, this also meant that you were going to transition um, strictly from a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu standpoint to teaching fundamentals classes to mm-hmm. uh, probably a majority of which were men. Right. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about that because it's kind of an interesting story. Like, I mean, you were, at, I mean, you started teaching pretty early on, but, and I can't remember now cause I was, I, when I joined the, the academy, you were a purple belt. Right. Um, and, uh, and I can't remember when you started teaching fundamentals classes, but I think you were a brown belt, a brown belt when, you, when you right. started teaching. So how did that like, what were your thought processes in that? Like, because this is a whole different right, animal. Right. Right. So I started teaching kids in 2012. Right. Um, and kids are a different animal, right? Because they are. Well, they know, are animals. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I taught feral. the kids for, since 2012 and I still, I still teach kids four times a week. So yeah. yay. Yeah. <laughs> yay. <laughs> but, and then when I got trans, when I transitioned into teaching, the adults. I was a little worried in how I was going to be perceived. Right. And me being a female and me being smaller, if people are going to want, if other, if the men are going to want to learn from me right. and are going to take what I, what I say and what I teach yeah. and think that it's practical for them. Right. Right. And I think that was a big struggle, um, where 
and I have to be I have to be prepared for every time I teach because I still have those pressures of I want to I want to make my classes amazing so that these people want to learn from me right. right so I think it but so I was a little nervous when this, in the beginning who's gonna show up who's gonna come to my class this you know 130 pound female right but once I started I was <laughs> of course welcomed with open arms and I have a Probably about thirty people in my classes on Thursdays on a regular, yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely now I, I still feel nervous. I get nervous when I teach still, but it's good. It's a good nervous. That's <laughs> well, a, that makes me be prepared. <laughs> well, we didn't talk about this in the beginning, but like I mean, you are you by nature you're an introvert. Right? Yes. So I mean, so the fact that you like you, you are though so uh, exuberant. Um, when you're at the gym and that you do all these things means that like part of the part of the, the glory of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is it allows you to be somebody mm -hmm. that you didn't know you could be right, right? so right. you could still be an introvert and still be verbose yes. and still be confident and still go out and give it to them and, and honestly like you know you you have a terrific class I mean your fundamentals classes is is awesome and otherwise you wouldn't have the the students that, that are there um, I, I imagine along with this comes uh, some of the more common problems or issues, uh, and I'd really like to talk to our uh, female students. We have a great we have a great female uh, contingency in our six a.m. class. We do, yeah. And uh, they're diehards, and they're 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 all your students too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were your students first, and we stole them. <laughs> but they do. To be fair, they do come into to the night. But classes, they they but, come in. Mean and hungry. Oh yeah, they're yeah they're not nice to Which us at all. I feel like that's the way Monica's grooming them. Yeah, exactly. So, so we, <laughs> have some, uh, we have some we have some beef with over this, um, but uh, you know we hear we hear you know a lot of the the common complaints. But uh, let's talk about let's talk about pet peeves being a <laughs> and and I think for our female listeners they'll really relate to this. Yeah, is that like when you're. You know, when you're a woman mm -hmm. and you're um, and you're going rolling primarily with men, right? There are typical things. Let's talk about Monica's top ten of pet peeves. Top ten. I don't know if we'll get the top ten, <laughs> but, but let's talk about your top like pet peeves with rolling with guys. And also, it is a great educational piece for guys who are just starting out on this or are unsure in right. all seriousness about like how do I approach this. We've seen it personally, but we'd love to hear right. like. I, so in the beginning, not so much anymore because I'm, I'm mean, yeah. but in the beginning, pe the guys would want to roll with me like they're going to break me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They were like, oh, I don't want to put my weight on you. Hey, don't put your weight on me. That works for me. <laughs> I'll just choke you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it was very much when I first started, no one wanted to hurt the girl. Right? Yeah. No one wants to make the girl quit. Yeah. So they would barely roll with me, which made me feel amazing. Made me feel like I got this, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you go to tournament, and it's like the whole Wait, other game, what? right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not amazing. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's one. And then there's that middle ground, right? <laughs> and I, I, it's hard to stress and do this, but. You have the people that barely barely roll with you, barely touch you, or yeah. you have the people that are like, I can't lose to a girl. I want to go as hard as I can, 110%. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and because egos go into play. Sure. And that that happens a lot. And that's when I close up my guard and I hold them there until they exhaust themselves and then I explode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you when you're rolling with people, you can tell within the first... Yeah. 
how they grab you. Yeah, right? Seconds, yeah. Right? Yeah. They grab your gi with that intensity and it's like, oh, this is on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. So you always have that, that five seconds to gauge how yeah. hard you need to go, right? right. Um, so there's those, and finding that middle ground I think is difficult for men too. Sure. Like, what's the, what's the ground between, and then they, I get this question all the time, how do I roll with women? Sure. Right. How do we, how do we go with women? How would you roll with a 130 pound or 145 pound man? Right. Right. It's the yeah. same. It's the same thing. It's the yeah. same thing. Um, and I think that that's one of the touchy subjects, right? I think the important note though out of this is that you guys, just because you're female, you're not made of glass. Exactly. Right? Like it exactly. is, and it must be very frustrating for somebody to be constantly stopping because they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I, I touched your I'm hair." Sorry. Or, yeah, yeah. My, or, my knees, or, my foot's on your hair. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, or I'm gonna hurt you any more than you would hurt right. anybody else, right? Right. right. Um, and so, like, treating them, treating them just as another jiu-jitsu practitioner is probably the best way to go right yeah. engage it based right. not only in your size differential but your rank and so forth right um but also understand this that for for all of our guys that are listening if you if you are just gonna like sort of you know take it easy on them i encourage all the women to just go ahead and choke the shit out of yes them because, that's what i, yeah, I would yeah, encourage yeah, that yeah, too exactly, right. <laughs> teach because, them a lesson yeah, exactly because you're going to you're going to be learning and they're going to be learning too <laughs> So that's my favorite thing to say is that's what you get. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> and you'll get it. You'll get it. That's awesome. The one I the one I love, um, which has to be up on your list of pet peeves, which happened to Shannon this morning, um, is getting her hair ripped out. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have like these little permanent small hairs all around the back of my neck from this people Shannon grabbing. It's awful. Yeah, every, time I, just... every time I go get my hair done, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, no, nothing, you know. Uh... There's been times that my hair has been stuck under people's knees. And I go with Andy, who's like 230, 240. And yeah. he, every time he gets eye control, he has a hair pin, pigtail pinned to the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, do I sacrifice this? Where do I tap? Yeah. I'm not tapping yeah. with my hair being pulled. I'm sacrificing it. And I get a huge chunk ripped out. That's awesome. <laughs> or when Dave's drilling a move. Yeah. Which, which <laughs> teaching, in... instructing to move. And he puts his heel right on my ponytail. That twice was fun in one too. Night. Twice in one night. Yeah. A handful came out. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, it is great. And though, but at the in the end, you survived. Yes. Right? And continued on. And yep. that's, again, it's like this is all part of like that journey. It's where you yeah. you start to realize that like I don't even feel it when people rip my hair out of me. That's right. <laughs> well, I think yeah. What I think is true though is that is this is like this is indicative of learning like how to fight or what what's involved in a fight. Most people are just terrified of of getting hit or hurt or damaged, but you realize real quick that. I mean, you can survive a lot. Yeah. Well, and and one of the funny ones, too, is uh, uh, I I heard a couple of the women talking about uh, wearing dresses. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you do jujitsu, you get bruises. Everywhere. And then and, uh, you get asked questions. Well, she was saying, like, Do you feel safe at home? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's no, I one. don't. No. Well, she was saying that, like, you know, there, there was a guy, like, staring at her legs. You know, at, which at first was probably like, why is this guy checking me out? And then you realize, like, no, it's really strange to look over and see bruises all up and down somebody's <laughs> shins, you know? <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's a, it's a funny reality mm-hmm. that, that you all live with. Like, you know, I, I can just wear jeans or, or slacks to work, you know? Yeah. Sometimes if you have to dress up for work and wear a dress, like, 
You can't hide no, it. No, no. Yeah. Well, we should also note too that I've, that got, I've been asked several times if I'm safe at home. <laughs> what the <laughs> what time we were at the hospital, and I got asked this because I hit my head. And Dave's sitting there. My husband's sitting there, and they, they ask me, "Do I feel safe?" And I look over at Dave. And Dave's like, "Don't look at me." <laughs> <laughs> you answered that question. <laughs> So I'm like, well, uh, I, get, I get beat up at home because Dave, we do jujitsu. So do I feel safe at home? No. <laughs> oh, well, what an odd life. But, you know, um, what, we, we've talked about a lot of the positive stuff that jujitsu has done for you, mm-hmm. right, and, and experiences on the mat. Uh, maybe you can talk about, um, you know, situations you've been in where you're not comfortable rolling with somebody or... Someone, you know, you've you just decided that, like, this person is not for you. Yeah. So, in the beginning, I would roll with anyone. Yeah. It didn't matter um, because I felt uncomfortable saying no. Right? And I think, in the, especially in the beginning, I didn't, a lot of people didn't want to roll with me. Or I would sit out a lot because I didn't think they wanted to roll with me. Yeah. Right? So, I'd sit on the side a lot. So, anytime anyone asked me to roll, I was like, oh, absolutely, I'll roll. Right? As I got up in ranks, I realized, you know what? I can pick people to roll with. It's okay. So to combat that, I would jump up on, like, go to choke them. And they'd have to roll with me because I just choked them, right? (laughs) (laughs) As I, and then I realized that it's okay to say no sometimes. Yeah. My safety and making it to work tomorrow is important. Sure. So if there's somebody that's, I've watched, I watched them roll with other people and they're just going crazy and out of control, then I'll, I'll tell them no if they ask me. Um, right. Because it's just not worth it. Right. And I don't feel bad anymore. I used to right. feel bad telling anyone no, because I'm like, oh, they're just, they don't know better, right? They just don't know. No, I can roll with them. I'll just control them. It makes for a very boring roll because then I just hold them for five minutes. in my guard and I don't let them go (laughs) so that's I think something I've developed over the years of training is that it's okay it's okay to say no I don't need to roll with everyone and I think it goes I think it goes without saying but even if you're just a beginner uh, in again it's about boundaries right you know it's okay if you're not comfortable rolling with somebody to say no thank you you or Say, let's just drill something. Right. Yeah. Right. So then you don't get in that situation where you feel bad or you make them off like that awkward situation. Sure. Right. Say, yeah. oh, I've been working on this guard pass. Can we just drill this guard pass for this five minutes? Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. And yeah. generally, if it's not, it's not. And he, they walk off. Right. Yeah. If it is, then great. Sure. You've got a new friend. Sure. <laughs> right. Right. And then eventually they will calm down and eventually you can roll with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've had some people, man. Because like, eventually people chill out. Yeah. You have to. So, unless they, unless to. we have to make them leave, you know I mean? Yeah. If there's just been times where, you know, people have that crazy look in their eye, and it's just, there's nothing you're going to do to change that. No. no. Yeah. You know? So it is what it is. Yeah. But otherwise, you you learn to calm down. I mean, because you're just not going to make it in this, no. in this, no. uh, in this endeavor, or, you know, whether it's sport I'm always, or... I'm always nervous about telling people when people are do crazy things or like go hard or whatever because I don't want people to beat them up right Right. (laughs) to police the situation because I I can take care of it sure 
I just get frustrated sometimes. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. A lot of times I'll watch them roll with the other females, and if I see that they're doing something, then I'm like, oh, okay, come yeah. here. <laughs> 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 now, now it's your turn with me. Yep, yep, they, yep. I know, yep. I know that one. So awesome. Well, I think this is like we're getting close here to the end of this episode, and uh, and Monica, I want to thank you so much for coming in and and doing this for everybody. Um, you know. When it was your your, la- your your latest course for Dangerous Damsels just began, right. but you can start any time. You, you can, can start any time. Uh, we review everything we've learned before, so you'll get a review of everything, and you can just jump in sure. anytime. We have a website. It's www.dangerousdamsels.com. Yep. So you can go on the website. Yep. Uh, we're running a special on there um, to anyone who wants to sign up. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, we should note that. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely put a plug on uh, on our Facebook page and everything else for this. And and we should note that the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu um, is very very accessible for everybody of all ages and and sizes and athletic abilities and so forth. Um, so if you're and especially if you're looking to take the Dangerous Damsels program, don't wait. Like come in and, and start. Even if they're in the middle of a class, right. everything that everything that we learn from a from a self-defense perspective and a jiu-jitsu perspective is stuff that's just repeated over and over and over again for for years yeah. to come. So don't be intimidated by like coming in the middle of it. You're always exactly. in the middle of something. So just come in and, and do it. Try it out and see what happens. So That's right. So, again, thank you, Monica. Any parting words from you, Mr. Galino? Uh, no, that's it for me. I mean, there's stuff I do want to say, but I don't think it's appropriate for this microphone. Are you sure? Yeah. Do you sure. want to try one of them? I stepped in poop. Sweet. <laughs> How about that one? Look, this is but this is a true story though. It is a true story. So let, let's just go ahead and tell this real quick. Okay, go ahead and tell the story. So um, I wake up in the morning and I find two things that I didn't want to find. Wait, wait, listen. You have to put it in context. Though. Context. Where were you? I, I was traveling, and I was um, I was in the hotel room, and I check in. It's pretty late, and um, you know, so I settle down, you know, put all my stuff away. And crawl into bed, pull up the computer to do some work, throw on the TV, and um, and that's that. So I wake up in the morning, and um, you start seeing things with the light of day. <laughs> and uh, so I see on the remote control what I I would assume is um, is just dried ice cream. And I think it's I think it's cookie dough because I also found a chunk of cookie dough on the floor. Okay. See, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's and um, so yeah. I actually stepped in the chunk of cookie dough. Like you know, when you step on a penny, it sticks to the bottom of your foot, and you can feel it. And so um, <laughs> here, here's what I do: I go and I, I pick it off of there with my fingers. As any, as any educated man would do. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to grab a Kleenex? You wouldn't that? want to do that. You would just want to go at it with your fingers. Just cookie dough. Yeah, Nobody exactly. Has time for that? Yeah, you don't have time for that. <laughs> just pick it right off your foot. Well, not long after that, did I smell it? Because of course you had to identify its source. Of course. Yeah. Um, so when I realized it was poop, then the ice cream that was dried on the remote control kind of looks suspicious. <laughs> see? See how that works? So, um, yeah, I- I'm not staying in that hotel ever again. And, and the funny part was I got a phone call as soon as I checked in of like, you know, hey, sir, is your room up to, up to your standards? Is it clean? And I'm going, yeah. Well, now I'm kind of second guessing that phone call. Yeah, <laughs> something happened in that room, and I stepped in it. <laughs> so. and, and with that, we're gonna end this episode. Peace. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>